Hey, uh, this is Cameron Cole. I'm the director of Children, Youth, and Family at the Church of the Advent. And we want to welcome you to this uh, this uh, podcast that's a, a, a micro class, podcast micro class. It's something that we do for parents um, just to, in a very brief chunks of audio, um, to give you some tools for spiritually engaging with your kids and discipling your children. And um, this series that we're going to do is called Gospel Moments. And Basically, we're going to look at six moments that every child is going to experience during the course of their, their life, uh, their, their childhood, their adolescence, and talk about how it is that we communicate the gospel into those moments. So it gives you some language and some, some concepts and conceptualization of how you can encourage your child with the gospel um, when they have times of struggle. And so I'm joined by four other people who are more talented and certainly a lot better looking than I am. Um, Y'all want to go around and introduce yourself? Sure. My name's Tucker Fleming. I'm the junior high youth director at the Church of the Advent. My name's Lucy Kate. I'm the associate director of junior high ministry at the Advent and the associate director of children's ministry at the Advent. I'm Rebecca Langford, and I'm the senior high youth director. I'm Tara Davis, director of children's ministries and the nursery. All right, and so um, so the first moment that we're going to talk about is isolation uh, and loneliness. And so what we'll do is we're first we're going to go around and just discuss where it is in these different age groups that we tend to minister to, where it is that we see them struggle with isolation, what are the manifestations with it. Then we'll um, look at John 4 and how it is that Jesus heals uh, the isolation of a woman at the well and then finally, we'll just kind of talk about individually just different ways that we encourage kids with the gospel um, in their isolation. And so, uh, Tara, how about you? Like, where do you see it with elementary age kids? Yeah, absolutely. The feeling of isolation can start very early, as young as elementary school. Um, in the classroom or at school or at recess in the lunchroom, children will notice that there are self-selected groups of peers that have gotten together for a conversation or a game. And oftentimes they're on the outskirts of that and that can feel really isolating to them. How about you, know, you guys in middle school? I mean, I think that middle school is one of the most lonely seasons of life. Um, how do you guys observe it? Yeah, you know, to that point, we it's not uncommon for us to see students in middle school um, sort of taking some some time to voluntarily isolate almost as a, as a result of fear that they have of rejection, of reaching out to a friend or a group of friends and um, being sort of pushed to the side. And so a lot of times I, isolation can be a defense mechanism more than mm -hmm. anything. Yeah, kind of like active isolation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Do I think um, maybe... Previously, students might be alone but not feel isolated, and junior high might be a time where they see their friend groups changing. They say they see their friends becoming um, friends with new people. They might see their friends hanging out on social media, and that can take moments of being alone and turning them into really isolating moments. Yeah, and you know, isolation looks different with, when you get into senior high. Like, where do you see that, Rebecca? Yeah, I think one interesting thing about senior high is that 
we've seen that students can feel isolated even when they're around a group of peers, which is this really interesting phenomena that I think happens just because there's a lack of connection and real intimacy there amongst their friends. I think we've noticed that social media really doesn't help with this in the sense that on social media, the self that is presented is rarely their true self. So there's this lack of really being known by peers and understood that I think creates a sense of isolation, even if they are surrounded by people. Then I think that there is a lot of there's a lot of shifting of friend groups when you get into senior high, and uh, and, and in particular, a lot of kids who who are not gonna who don't drink and don't party they'll get kind of cut out of social life. They won't get invited to things. They'll get cut out of group messages. So there's a lot of, there can be a lot of sitting home, sitting at home with mom and dad watching Netflix. It can be really, really lonely. And I think also too, there's just a reality that for a lot of high school kids, their entire life is a slave to the grind. You know, they're, uh, they're studying all the time. They're doing you know, sports or dance or music or whatever. And they, they genuinely have very, very little time where they actually interact so it's just a, it's kind of like law school or medical school. It's just like a lonely, a, a lonely and self and, and nat- inherently isolating type experience. So the scripture we're going to look at is John chapter four, and I'm going to, I'm going to start in verse seven. And this is the story of the, the woman at the well. Um, and it says a woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink for his disciples had gone away to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, asked for a drink for me, a woman of Samaria? For the Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with. The well is deep. Where do you get the living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it, as, as did his sons and livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never thirst. The water I will give, give him will become in, a, in him a spring of welling up eternal life. The woman said, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. So first thing I would say, you know, I would say here is, you know, we notice that Jesus is talking to this woman who she's alone um, women ordinarily in this, uh, the custom was that in this context, they would go to the well together. And so she is at coming out there alone, uh, which is going to kind of indicate that she's, she's really kind of an outcast, um, from society. And then furthermore, she's a Samaritan. Jews looked down on Samaritans. They wouldn't interact with them. Um, they saw them as half breeds and apostates. And, and so, so there's, um, there's a, a couple of those factors here. I'm going to go ahead and read 16, um, 16 to 26. I'm going to skip over a few verses. But it said, Jesus says to her, Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. And the woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you're right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands. And the one you now have is not your husband. What you have, what you have said is true. And the woman said to him, sir, I perceive, perceive that you're a prophet. Our fathers worshiped in this, on this mountain. But you say that in Jerusalem is the place where the people ought to worship. And Jesus said, Woman, believe the hour is coming when neither we'll neither worship nor in Jerusalem you will worship the Father. So I'm going to skip to the point where the, the woman says, Sir, I know that um, the Messiah is coming. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. And so, you know, first off, notice how Jesus pursues the woman. 
Um, Jews ordinarily would intentionally add days to their trip to avoid walking into Samaria. They did not want to interact with Samaritans. Jesus very deliberately has gone into Samaria. He is deliberately seeking this woman out personally. Um, And so, you know, the pursuit of Jesus ensures to us the companionship of Jesus. We know that Christ is with us because he is constantly pursuing us. The second thing here is notice this woman has something about her um, that's shameful. Um, she has, she's had multiple husbands. She's been divorced many times. To be divorced at all was a mark of shame in that culture. Um, she herself would have been rejected because women didn't divorce men. Men divorced women. And, um, and she was probably promiscuous. And so, because um, she was living with a, a man who was not her husband. And so, um, and so as a result of that, because of her shame, um, it's hard to know whether she was an outcast, like people wouldn't associate with her, or if she self-isolated, like we talked about with junior high kids, how, you know, rather than face the rejection, she would just remove herself from the group. And so the fact that Jesus eats, or sorry, drinks after her, that he calls her by name, that he has a conversation with her, conveys her value, conveys her worth as a human being. And so she, um, so, you know, that's for our kids and their, their isolation. One of the things that kind of, that exacerbates that isolation is, is feeling like something is wrong with you, feeling like you're unworthy of connection. And that's something that is particularly true in middle school and, and and in high school to a lesser degree. But you're so self-conscious that you're thinking there is something that is wrong with me. And as a result of that, it creates a, a lot of loneliness. But, I mean, every person, I mean, kids even in elementary school have that awareness too, the sense of like, oh, I'm not a good athlete or, um, you know, oh, I, I got tall really early or, oh, I'm too small, whatever it is. They, they think there's something that is off about them that makes them unworthy of connection. And so you can see here that Jesus is conveying to her through his interactions that she has value and worth and dignity as a human being, and um, and that, you know, because she's made in the image of God, and because Christ has pursued her, Christ will die for her. Um, and then, you know, the final thing, too, is that, like, Jesus offers her a relationship. That's the, that's the heart of the gospel. Like, Jesus dies for our sins so that we can have a relationship with God. Um, our sin prohibits us from having a relationship with a holy and just God um, because of what Jesus done, has, has done. The end of the gospel is bringing us into communion with the Lord. And so, um, and so, yeah, so those are just some of the concepts that we can kind of see here below isolation that the gospel speaks to. And so, guys, you know, in different, in different settings, you know, what's the language that you use to encourage a child when they may be isolated? One of the things that I would suggest, um, even for children as young as elementary age, they, they may not be coming to us as parents yet about feeling isolated, but chances are they have felt it inside. So I think one of the things that we can do is be proactive and prepare them for what might be coming and likely what probably already has come. So at the beginning of a school year or the beginning of a new season, just talk about, hey, there might be times in school where you're likely going to feel isolated. I want to tell you about this story in the Bible from John 4. And you kind of speak 
that story over them. It's good. Even share an example of yourself feeling isolated as a child mm-hmm. or adult. Real good. And then praying for them and over them. Like, hey, this might not have happened yet, but let me pray for you that you'll remember this truth whenever it does. And that'll be comforting in more than one way. If it has happened, they'll feel like they're known and they're not the only one that has feel, felt isolated. Or when that moment comes, they kind of have that scripture truth already embedded on their hearts to recall on. Mm. How about middle school, guys? How, you know, as you talk to kids about this, where do you, where do you see it or how do you communicate? Yeah, so... <clears throat> I think something that's helpful from a developmental perspective is pointing to places like John 4 or um, Jesus' isolation on the cross, Joshua's isolation um, as he sort of takes Moses' mantle and leads his people into the promised land. Um, Any of these places where we can invite our students to kind of place themselves into the story and say, have you ever felt like this woman in John 4? Or if you are, you know... um, what is the uh, prescription to that? What what helps you dig out of that hole? And, and that's a really wonderful opportunity to have a conversation with your child to really kind of uh, put together a robust understanding of the fact that the Lord Jesus is always with your child through his spirit. Um, and that whatever isolation they might be feeling socially, that there is one isolation that will that they'll never experience because nothing can separate uh, one of the Lord Jesus' brothers or sisters from the love of God, as Paul tells us in Romans eight. Mm-hmm. I would say too, especially in junior high, kids are really forming their identities, and if they have an understanding that their identity is not shaped by these feelings, like by feeling isolated. Um, by feeling rejected or betrayed or anything like that, um, but their identity is as a child of God, um, and that their worth and dignity can't be swayed based on the experiences that they might have. Um, I think that's a good thing to remind kids who are in such a formable age. Mm. Yeah, you want to talk a little bit about how you see it in senior high, Rebecca? Yeah, Tucker and Lucy Kate basically just alluded to both the things I was going to say. But I think one thing I hear a lot is that, especially if a student has grown up in the church, they'll say things like, I know Jesus is with me, but I just don't feel it. Mm. And it's always really, it's a privilege to be able to remind them that the Lord's presence with them is not contingent on their experience of it. That is a spiritual, biblical reality that doesn't change based on their experience of it. And so on the lowest of days, when they don't feel that God is there at all, that does not change the fact that he is. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's a hopeful thing we have to remind our students is that it's a reality that isn't contingent, like you said, Lucy, on their experience of it. And yeah, to pray for them, like you said, Tara, to come to taste the sweetness of experiencing the Lord even after a dry season of feeling isolated from him or from others. Mm, that's really good. Yeah, two things I would say, uh, speaking about um, high school, is on one hand, the to kind of piggyback off something you said, Rebecca, is there's the objective reality that Christ dwells in us. You know, the fancy term for that is union with Christ. But when you become a believer, like Jesus really does come into your heart and you carry Christ with you and his companionship is always guaranteed, whether you you know perceive or feel it. 
um, at a given time. And so that's that's one thing I talk about a lot is union with Christ because of the companion, the comfort and companionship that offers. Uh, second thing I would say is is you know our kids need some tools that enable them to grow an intimate relationship both with God and other people. Mm. And in particular, you know, a couple things you can see here that Jesus does is one, you know, it's this is in person. Uh, incarnational uh, relationship that he's engaging with with this woman. He's not texting her. Um, but I think, you know, we can show that to our kids and you know, encourage them to not just be relating to people via technology. Mm. Second thing, too, is that um, the, what the, real, the real bridge that's built is because of vulnerability. The woman, you know, Jesus loves her and dignifies her until and reveals that he knows her deepest, darkest secret. Um, and so because of his acceptance, she's able to kind of be vulnerable with him. And, in, and also Jesus is vulnerable with her. He discloses that he's the Messiah, which is one of the only places that Jesus is so direct about that to someone. And here it's a Samaritan woman at the well. And so, you know, the gospel, you know, when we believe that we have worth through God um, and when we know that we're forgiven through Christ, um, we are able to be more vulnerable and to have deeper conversations, more honest. And I think that enables, I think we need to kind of, um, you know, teach our kids that because given the way that they're being conditioned and socialized in relationship via technology and virtual means, that's a real impediment to, um, to having mm-hmm. intimate relationships and uh, experiencing the comfort of the gospel and the comfort of relationships that comes through the gospel. So. And COVID hasn't helped. No, COVID didn't help. COVID mm-hmm. did not help. Well, um, that's, uh, that is episode number one, talking about isolation in our, in our gospel moments podcast. Thanks for listening. And, uh, our next podcast, um, is going to focus on anxiety and pressure. Mm-hmm.